0: All right, you guys can come on back. Thank you. I know you love each other. I know, I know. It's good. I, last time I was here, I said, get to church, right? And now you're here, and I'm like, just be quiet, okay? <laughs> Thanks for coming today, even though I'm talking. I, I know the sacrifice <laughs> that when you're like, oh, it's not Phil, rats. Um, But I'm glad to see you here. I have this great verse that I want to reflect on with you. Um, uh, Remember that Phil is doing this one verse series uh, so that we're given a few verses to help us remember when we're not likely to remember. Maybe when we're swept up into conflict or swept away by hormones or swept into pain. Uh, This is what are our true north verses that are gonna keep us locked on target. And in fact, this series reminds me of a story that swirls around our family from time to time, my family. Uh, And it's, let's see. So let me set it up. We used to go to a camp, a Christian camp up in the northern woods of Wisconsin all the time. It was like a second home. And my dad is this really fun guy. He's very fun. A little bit of a troublemaker, uh, and he got his hands on some water balloon launchers. Do you guys know what those are? They're you know maybe five or six feet across before they're stretched out, and they take three people to operate. That's how, This is. I mean, they shoot know, hundreds of yards. I have no idea. I don't, I'm not spatial. I, I'm not my gifting. But uh, in this particular case, my brother was holding one end, right? And you have to like brace it because my dad's back here pulling. My brother-in-law, who I don't think was married into the family yet, so he's just doing whatever my dad says, right? He wants to get into his good graces. So he's holding this side over here. And my dad's back here pulling this back. My brother says... I think we're getting a little too close to that cabin where this family is staying, right? Uh, uh, You know, kind of saying some caution. My dad, fun guy, right? Stay on target, stay on target. Which reminds me about this one verse series. And it actually reminds me like what Deuteronomy is, which is where we're going to be camping today. It reminds me of what Deuteronomy is saying over and over again. So Deuteronomy is... It's set in the time when the Israelites were just about to enter into the promised land. And so Moses is saying, stay on target. Let me read you a verse from there. Deuteronomy 4.23, and we're going to be there if you have a Bible, Bible app. Feel free to open it up. That way if I get boring, you can read and you'll get something out of this time, all right? So Deuteronomy 4.23 Be careful not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God. And this sentiment is said over and over in Deuteronomy. Be careful to do what the Lord has commanded. Take care to follow the commands, observe them carefully. Be careful that you don't become corrupt. Be careful not to forget. Stay on target. So there's a few things that make that story about my dad kind of funny. The first is that, I mean, that water balloon went through that window like a bullet. I mean, it just went straight through. Uh, Another part is that, you know, he was also the director of the camp, uh, the family camp. So he went up the next day with the broken window and asked for information. Does anybody know what happened? You know... We had this drive-by ballooning, <clears throat> nobody knew. They st- uh, today, he might be outed, he might get a phone call. Um, it was you, we never knew. Another thing that makes me laugh is that I was asking him, what in the world were you aiming for? You know, I know where he was shooting, I know the area and what's over there. And he laughed, he said, I don't know. <laughs> and that makes me laugh that he j- he's just a goofy guy. So uh, this verse, though, this one verse does tell us what we're aiming for. (laughs) So this is the opposite of what my dad was doing. Uh, And really, I only want you to remember three words. So Phil said my one rule is that I had to stick to one verse, and I'm an overachiever. So I said I can do better than that. I can do it in three words. Uh, And we're going to actually memorize those three words right here, right now. I'm going to read you the verse, and then we're going to do some memorization Uh, work together. So this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. And I understand that that's like typical covenant language of the day. So just to kind of set the stage there. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Do you hear the target? What is it? Now choose life. Life. It's our target. Stay on target. Now choose life. OK, so now we're going to memorize this. And I'm going to use a technique that goes way back to my Awana days. Uh, I'm going to take away one word at a time. And we'll, you'll memorize it. You'll feel like you've done something productive with your morning, OK? That's good. It'll be good. All right, so we're going to say it together. Ready? Now choose life. Good. All right, now I'm going to take away a word. You don't know which one it's going to be. So, just do your best at remembering those three words. Okay, ready? Here we go. Now choose life. Good job. Good, good. Okay, it's a little bit harder. This is gonna be a little bit harder. Here we go. All right, ready? Now choose life. Great. Okay, now this is gonna be the hardest. It's gonna go away. So, now you just have to remember it. Here we go, ready? Now choose life. Look at you guys, memorizing God's word. Well done. Well done. All right, let's pray, and then we'll jump into some seriousness. So, Father, um, I love that you want us to live. I love that you gave us life to live it. God, I know that we do a poor job of it at times, and I ask that you would move us to make the choice to live. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So this verse has always grabbed my attention. There's something about the urgency, the passion behind it, the simplicity of it. Now choose life. And I want to just spend some time reflecting on them. So uh, now. Now is a big word. It's kind of like Therefore. In fact, it's translated, therefore, in certain translations. And do you know that pithy saying about therefore, that when you see it there, you've got to find out what it's there for, right? So this says now. So we've got to figure out, well, what was before? So we can know what now means. And this verse it comes at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. So we're going to talk about the whole book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy this morning. Buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> Deuteronomy is actually a very interesting book. I found myself um, drawn into it. Uh, There are certain books of the Bible that I don't feel drawn into, uh, Leviticus being one of them. Um, I learned that Deuteronomy was the second giving of the law or the copy of the law. And I just was thinking, why would that be needed? I mean, back then, they had to say the law to each other over and over again. That's how information was passed along, right? But why is this uh, in our biblical record? What do we need this for? Okay, so that's kind of rolling in my head as as I was studying for this. So Deuteronomy includes a history, a summary, and a guarantee. And I just want you to know as a speaker that when there's three parts and they all rhyme, I throw a little party in my head. It makes me very excited. (laughs) So three parts, they all rhyme. History, a summary, and a guarantee. Moses gives a history of the Israelites from the time that they exited uh, Egypt to the time that they were in right then, ready to enter into the promised land. He gives a summary of the law. Again, he hits all the high points, the big 10, make it in. And then he gives a guarantee. Obey and you'll live. Disobey and you will die. It is a guarantee. He says it over and over again. But as I read Deuteronomy, I can't help but notice that it's very different from the first time around in Leviticus, where they cover some of the same things. I'm telling you, it just feels different. And I hate to bring up feelings, (laughs) but it just does. It's a totally different feel from Leviticus. There's verses like, oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me. There's verses where Moses says, yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants above all nations. He says, the Lord has chosen you as his treasured possession. And then our verse, now choose life. There's so much passion in Deuteronomy. And overall, there are a lot of references to love. A lot. By contrast, Leviticus, the whole book of Leviticus mentions love twice. Deuteronomy has over 20. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, and also just in terms of context, I can tell you, uh, has anyone gotten the pleasure of reading the Colorado Revised Statutes? Anyone love reading the Law of Our Land? It's like sandpaper to my eye. I have to read certain parts, um, and at least the parts that I've read, there's no mention of our state Congress loving me. (laughs) Not one. I haven't looked at the other areas. Maybe there are some. I don't know. But Deuteronomy, it's plastered with love. Over, let's see, so it was 11 times that God declares his love for the Israelites, for their descendants, for the foreigners um, that live among them. 10 times he calls the Israelites to love him. I mean, it's seeping with love and affection. God is putting his heart out there in Deuteronomy. Consider the history review. The way Moses tells it, he covers a few things. He talks about how he chose his people and how he provides for them. He talks about how he did all these mighty acts for them, which got me to thinking about when I went to college. It was a while ago now. Uh, But when I was there, there were a lot of guys. You know, it was new to me, right? This many new guys. And I know that this is going to be hard to believe, but none of them were interested in me, not one, (laughs) For a while until I met this guy. Nice guy. Yeah. This guy seemed interested in me. He would choose to spend time with me. He'd do things for me that showed that he was thinking of me when uh, we weren't together. He, we, uh, neither of us had a car at the time, which is far more normal. Okay. Just everybody bring down your standard for finances when you're a college student, you're supposed to be broke, okay? Anyway, we didn't have a car, so he would bomb a car off of one of his friends and you know provide experiences for us to go on. He paid for me. Like I said, we were broke, so our first date we shared a pizza, a cheese pizza. <laughs> good times, good times. And then he would do cool things. Steve can do a lot of cool things. Um, I'm. Uh, always amazed. I ruin things. He fixes them. (laughs) He makes them better. Uh, But I have this one memory where he was building a loft. And, you know, that blows my mind. I can't do that. I know we have a lot of engineers here. I know that's like (laughs) ridiculous. But for me, that's a lot. And I uh, was impressed. And I think that he likes that I'm impressed by what he does, right? So um, anyway, I have this memory of him walking away with his, uh, you know, work boots and the drill with his cord slung over his shoulder, sauntering away in these jeans that you know just fit nice. It left an impact. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that building a loft is akin to splitting the Red Sea, but I'm just saying I was impressed. And the history of Deuteronomy, it kind of reminds me of that. It kind of reminds me of God wanting to impress his people, wanting to woo them to him. I'm going to go back to this slide. So even in the summary of the law, you know, in Leviticus, it's like law, 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 law. Uh, But in Deuteronomy, he pauses to make commentary. And it just feels different to me. It seems like he's really being clear that, listen, I'm taking care of you with these laws. Let me give you some examples. So there's a law about um, a year. Every seven years, they would cancel debts. So if I lend to someone, I know they've got seven years to pay that off, uh, and then the rest of it's going to be forgiven. Um, And he noticed, you know, before, so between Leviticus and Deuteronomy, he noticed that people were getting less and less likely to lend as that seventh year was approaching, right? Because I know if I'm lending people money at year six, I'm not going to get that back. And so people were getting tight-fisted. So he says, be open-handed, He's taking care of the poor here. There was no church at the time, no thrift stores, no ministries. God's taking care of the poor so they don't lose hope in Deuteronomy. So there's instructions for a man. Excuse me, I keep spitting. Don't you wish the masks were back in? (laughs) Anyway, um, there's instructions that when a man got married, for the first year, he couldn't go to war. He couldn't go off with the armies to go to war. He was supposed to. His whole job was to make his wife happy, love his wife. Isn't that nice? Uh, Even the laws about sacrifice, um, the phrase that gets repeated over and over again when he talks about sacrifice in Deuteronomy is, in my presence. God says, do your sacrifices, bring them to the place of worship, and eat them in my presence. Eat with me. It's like he's inviting us over to his house. I love that. It just seems to emphasize that he's caring for people. He wants us. He woos us. He cares for us. And even in the guarantee, it can feel a little bit harsh, right? Like even as I say it, like obey life, disobey death. uh, It feels harsh. But it reminds me of something that Dave Ramsey says. Do you guys know who Dave Ramsey is? He's a uh, talk show host, he has this whole company that talks about leadership, and we went to a leadership conference of his, and he uses this phrase, being clear is being kind. Being unclear is being unkind, and he gives an example like, uh, if I, as an employer, have expectations of an employee, uh, I need to be clear about those expectations, I don't want to be fuzzy and then just fire them, right? I'm going to be clear about what I expect of them, you know, the timeliness that they need to be up to that, uh, up to snuff by then, um, or else we're just going to go our separate ways. But I, I want to be clear so that that employee can make the choice so that he can succeed. Being clear is being kind, and there is no uncertainty with God, The gods of other nations of that time were very unclear. They did not come near to their people. They did not speak to the people of those nations. And so those nations operated out of insecurity and unknowing. Think about um, the story with Elijah on Mount Carmel where he faces off with the prophets of Baal right? So first of all, there's like 450 prophets. So right away there, it's like over the top, right? And then they're getting louder and louder because there's no response from their God and they're getting more and more desperate. So they're slashing themselves with swords and still no answer. But with God, it is very clear. He's being very kind. This is love. Now, So now we have context. When we read, now choose life, we can set it in this context. God is wholly in love with his people. He wants what's best for them. He wants them to be healthy and have a loving community that takes care of each other, that acts fairly when mistakes are being made. He's doing all he can so they can enjoy life, so they can have life to the full. But there's this one thing that can get in the way. Us. We get in the way. He lets us choose. And we can choose otherwise. And we did. You remember in the Garden of Eden, there were two trees in the center, right? There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which will lead to you shall surely die. But there was another tree. Do you remember what it was? The tree of life. You guys are really quiet. You can, you can shout it out. If you're wrong, that's okay. Be wrong and strong, okay? That's all right. That's how we learn. <laughs> Humiliation. That's how I learn. I don't know about you guys. <clears throat> this is where internal processors have an advantage. Yeah, I mean, God still gives us the choice, even though we chose poorly in the past, even though everything he loves, everything he created is on the line and at risk. It reminds me of when a man and a woman, a husband and wife, come to marriage counseling because the wife is having an affair. The therapist has to explain that marriage counseling cannot happen until one thing happens. Do you know what that is? Stop the affair. She's got to choose her husband. The affair has to stop. The other guy has to go away. No contact. She has to choose her husband, which is a tearing process. It is a miserable, awful time for everybody in that process. If you can prevent yourself from getting there, please do. But as that's happening, meanwhile, the husband's heart, his family, his whole life is on the line as he waits. And even if that hasn't happened to you, and I hope it doesn't, I'm guessing that you've been involved in a relationship where you've invested a lot and you're not sure about the return on that investment. Think of a work partner, maybe a sibling, certainly boyfriends, girlfriends. You've given years of your life. What am I doing here? Right? Adult children, can anyone break your heart more? You love them so much. Your heart is out there. What are they going to choose? Are they going to choose to believe you and your intent Are they going to stay angry? Are they going to uh, put in kind of equal effort? Are they going to take advantage of you? Or worse, will they cut you off entirely? I mean, this is what God is uh, experiencing, I think. I don't know exactly, but when we read Deuteronomy, we can get all huffy about um, being told what to do, can't we? We have some pretty strong American values of freedom and ultra-independence. In fact, we just watched a movie with our junior and senior hires, and it was a goofy movie. They even make fun of the movie in the movie, so it's that kind of movie. So, uh, but one of their stated morals was, never let anyone tell you what you can and can't do in life. And so we mocked the movie. But we've all been there before. We don't want to be told what to do. But in the context of relationship, where God is at, loving someone and not certain they're going to return the love. This is more than law. This is God's heart. This is him loving us, wanting us to have a better life. Now, in light of God's love, choose, what will you choose Will you choose to respond to his love and turn toward him or will you find your own way? God urges life, choose life. So I want to read to you um, from a little bit after verse 19. So we're going to start at 19 and go through 20 because it's a complete thought. So this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him. And here's the part I want you to hear for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord is your life. Do you hear that? Choose life. The Lord is your life. When he says, choose life, he's saying, choose me. Choose me. When we choose life, we're choosing God and knowing him and connecting with him and intimacy with him. When we choose not God, we're choosing a path that leads to death. And we may not be intending, We most of the time we're not intending death, right? We're maybe intending to uh, get relief from pain or some sort of emotion. We may just be doing what makes the most sense to us at the time. But when we choose not God, it leads to death. Now choose life. Let me give you some examples. <clears throat> so, I'm feeling... Lonely, and not just lonely, I'm feeling that really empty kind of lonely, the kind that I'm pretty sure isn't going to end. And I'm, I could, I could maybe start this relationship that I shouldn't be. I could sleep with someone, or I could choose God tonight. I could lean into him in ways that I maybe haven't before, Or maybe I have before and I'm doing it again because I trust that intimacy with him is better than this. Or maybe I'm tired of scraping by. We've been struggling financially for so long. I don't want to be in this desperate place anymore. I could uh, not report something on my taxes. I could lie in any number of ways to make it easier financially for me. I could do a get-rich-quick scheme and take advantage of someone. Or I could trust that God really does intend to provide for me, and he will in the way that he intends to, even if it's not what I would want. I think also as we get older, we have more and more experiences of human beings that maybe are disappointing. And it can be tempting to develop some calluses on our heart. Maybe avoid people. Maybe not reach out. Or we can choose God and be kind and engage and trust that he will take care of us even if people aren't as nice as we want them to be. Do you see how one path leads to God and an intimacy with God and the other path goes away from him? What are the choices that you're facing? And how can Deuteronomy seeped in love as it is help you to know how to know God more deeply in your realities. So I mentioned before that sometimes we have a hard time with the law in the Old Testament. I am not an expert in the Old Testament or the law. I really appreciate learning from people who are, who know a lot more about these things. So I'm not going to be the one to explain to you, you know, the different categories, if there are categories and how to apply and what to apply. Uh, I don't know these things well, but I will say... That if there is an area of the law or the Old Testament that you struggle with, dig deeper. Choose God. Do business with God in those areas. Uh, there have been areas that I have struggled. There are some hard things in this Bible. It is not an easy path. But when I've gone over my fear and I faced God and did business with him, I'm telling you, I found peace. I think you will, too. So I don't know what choices you face. I can only imagine how complicated they are. We we weave some pretty good webs, don't we? And they're woven for us. I mean, imagine someone who is divorced, never wanted to be, fought against it, and now finds themselves divorced and in a blended family situation. What is choosing life in those situations? Those are tough questions. So I think sometimes we have to extrapolate from scripture, principles in scripture, um, what life might be. So I want to give you some maybe guidelines. And I don't think that the path of life is this like uh, tightrope where if we make one misstep, we're off it. I think God gives us boundaries, but then there's room to move and make some choices. So here I'm going to give you a few. So perfect love casts out fear. Right, So I think one of the principles we can gather from that is that if we're making a choice that's based in fear, fear of losing someone, fear of being alone, fear of not providing for my family, fear of not leaving enough impact, that's typically not the God path. Choosing life usually requires faith when we're afraid. Uh, Anger, if there's a lot of anger going on, We're likely not on the path toward life. We're over here on the not God path. I think that's probably why uh, Phil spent two weeks on Ephesians 4.32. Forgiveness, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And that is the path of life. I know that for sure. Uh, I know that when a decision is made to... um, be for my satisfaction or my good feelings and disregards the effects that it has on others, that's going to be the not God path. Like, for instance, if I make a joke at someone else's expense, oh, it feels good if I get a laugh, but mm, it's not good. Don't be fooled. Uh, okay, so actually, let me say I still reserve the right to um, make fun of Don Talley. But beyond that, (laughs) uh, it's it's, no, I'm not going to make any jokes at the expense of others. I'm just kidding. Uh, But yeah, we often think the good feelings we get from this path is life, right? Um, The happiness or whatever. Uh, We think that that's life, but don't be fooled. Remember, what's our target? Our target is life, and who is our life? The Lord. God is our life. God's our target, not good feelings. Similarly, if you are struggling in some way and you just want to take the edge off, you want to numb in some way, my preference is Boston Cream Donuts from Dunkin' Donuts, obviously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so there's there's food that can numb, right? There's uh, substances, many different kinds. There's um, numbing out in front of TV. There's shopping. There's gaming. There's um, any manner of way um, to get rid of those feelings but really what God wants is to choo- us to choose him when we're in those raw places I will tell you also that the path of life usually involves waiting if you're making the decision and it is an instant fix it might not be the path of life Uh, I I will be honest with you, God is not as timely as I would like him to be, and I argue with him pretty regularly about this. I want him to move faster in people's life. I want to see relief. Uh, But in his defense, he is working to redeem a lot of us. (laughs) So that's complicated. It probably takes time. So now choose life. Choosing life is not easy. It is not fun, usually but it is good. It will include some difficulty because anything that's real and good will include difficulty as well. And God is trustworthy. I think that's what this comes down to, that he's trustworthy. I know that what he offers is better, longer lasting, and it's better for everyone, not just me. It's not just about me. So when God urges us to choose life, he's doing it out of love When we respond to God's love and faith and follow his path of love, it leads to an intimacy that's unequaled. And it leads to a social justice that's beyond anything that we can conjure up ourselves. So Castle Oaks, my friends, now choose life. Amen.